Well, dude, dude, th think about it. She's out in the middle of nowhere with some dude she barely knows. You know, she looks around her, what does she see? Nothing but open ocean. Ah, uh, there's nowhere for me to run. What am I gonna do, say no? Okay, that, <laughs> <laughs> that seems really dark. No, no, it's not dark, you're misunderstanding me, bro. Okay? I'm, I'm, I think I am. Yeah, you are, because if the girl said no, then the answer obviously is no. No. But the thing right. is, is she's not gonna say yeah. no. She would never say no because of the implication. Now, you've said that word, implication, a couple of times. What implication? The implication that things might go wrong for her if she refuses to sleep with me. Now, not that things are gonna go wrong for her, but she's thinking that they will. But it sounds like she doesn't want to have Why sex. Why aren't with you, you understanding? This? I don't. She she doesn't know whether she wants to have sex with me. It's that she doesn't. That's know. not the issue. Are you going to hurt? Women? I'm not going to hurt oh, these women. Okay. Why would I ever hurt these women? I, don't know. I feel like you're not getting this at all. I'm at not all. getting it. God damn. This is the bad place. Welcome to Welcome to Storybrooke. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And you had a lot harsher opinions on this episode than I did. It made me incandescent with rage. So, Mila's back. Yeah, yeah, Mila's back. You know what this episode doesn't mention? What? That Rumpel killed Mila. I feel like this is an important fact that from a character perspective, should not be overlooked. And yet the episode really doesn't want us to remember that. Yeah, yeah, Rumple did kill Mila. The episode wants us to think Rumple is the good guy here. The episode wants us to think that Rumple is the good guy and it's Mila's fault that he became the Dark One. Rumple says she made me the man I am today. I mean, they have her set up as a real Lady Megapath here. Oh, yeah, that's the whole episode I was thinking, Lady Megapath. Yeah, where she kind of pushed him into doing evil things and becoming evil. Well, she did give him uh, the taste for murder. Yeah, except he couldn't even do it. He couldn't even murder to save his son. See, I, I don't think that's fair because there were other options, one of which he took. Well, we'll talk about that when we get there. But I do want to point out... That he was unwilling to murder to save his son, but then later he became the Dark One to save his son. And murdered a lot of people. Mm. So I'm just saying maybe there's some inconsistent characterization happening here. Shocking, I know. If the show had a more consistent view on how bad murdering is, maybe, but... Yeah, true. Alright, let's get into it. So, Hook is still being tortured in the middle of the room of multicolored water. Yeah, in the sub-basement of hell, Hades is still super angry at Hook because Hook's friends are freeing people left and right. And, as you'll recall at the end of last episode, he told Hook that he has to decide which of his three friends are going to stay behind as punishment for the three people that they helped move on yes okay so we talked about this a fair amount last season and i feel like it's still relevant here hades doesn't seem to have very clear goals oh so that's interesting because i had kind of a different problem where it's setting up that they just expect us to take as a given that it's in hades best interest to keep people down here in hell like, there's some sort of benefit to having all of these souls down here. We talked about this a little bit last week when I was like, okay, so does the person with the most souls win? Or Right? They 
you're right that we don't see his motivation, but I think we're expected to think it's to collect the most souls, which is a very Christian viewpoint. And, you know, this is Greek Hades, so... We are going to see a lot of Christianity slapped on top of Greek concepts this uh, season. Just wait until we get Zeus. Also also known as modern Western civilization. Mm. A lot of Christianity slapped over Greek concepts. Well, watch the Hercules movie again. There's some serious Christ allegories going on there. Which, not super in the original Hercules mythology, but... Okay, so, if they were going to lean in on the whole putting Christian concepts into Greek mythology, shouldn't it have been Hercules who went down to hell and smashed the gates and rescued people that's a jesus thing right going into hell and um this is once upon a time if jesus isn't a charming i don't even know what show we're watching oh god also emma is clearly the christ figure here literally the savior right yeah or actually to get more back into talking about the episode i still don't really know what hades motivations are like he wants to keep the storybook crew trapped in hell, except he doesn't want them in hell because they're freeing souls from hell. Well, originally he wanted to keep them out of hell because he knew that they would cause chaos for him. But now they've caused so much chaos that he's just really pissed off and he wants to keep them in hell because he's angry. But that's not good long-term planning. Yeah, like, you didn't want them in hell because they were liberating souls, and now that they've liberated souls, you've decided to punish them by keeping them in hell? What? Yeah, this is really, this is really, to lean on a Greek concept, hubris, right? Because he thinks he'll be able to have some control, and he is wrong. Uh, Before we get too deep into this episode, we should mention we are on book eight, the not-so-good place. Or season five, episode 14, devils do they're all gonna be named like this i'm so so sorry y'all to open the episode proper rumple has entered the i guess we didn't really talk about what hook and hades were talking about but it doesn't matter he's just like haha i'm torturing you and hook's like you're never going to get whatever you want and hades is like oh won't and i yeah and hades is trying to force hook to decide who stays behind And Hook's like, how about no? And Hades is like, well, then I will choose for you. And it's like, okay, well, that's okay. You're going to do that anyway. Whatever. Rumple's in his shop, which is, in fact, his shop now. Because you'll recall the shop was being run by his father, Peter Pan. But I guess they could only get that actor for a couple of episodes. Because Pan has left and left a note for Rumple saying the shop is his now. Also his Pan Pipes. Yes. So that's a thing. Rumpel goes into the shop. He's looking for something specific, namely an eyeball. Yeah, we get to see Rumpel doing something we don't see a lot, which is actually doing... Practical magic? Practical magic, exactly. He's literally dropping ingredients into a bubbling cauldron. Including an eye, though not an eye of Newt. Do you think it's one of the eyes from the seer? Yes, I think it's a seer's eye. Anyway, then he takes a crystal ball and like fills it with the smoke from the bubbling cauldron. The cauldron he dropped the eye into, and he turns it into a gazing ball, or whatever the hell they called it in Lord of the Rings. I think they did call it a gazing a gazing crystal? Yeah. It's a scrying ball. So he uses it to look at Belle. Oh. Except, this will come back later, seeing Belle shocks him so much he drops the crystal. Yeah, which is weird, because she's just at Granny's eating pancakes with Grumpy. 
I do like the reference to the fact that the two of them have had a prior relationship. Oh, wow. I didn't even pick up on that. Yeah, they did have a prior relationship. I was thinking of it more as a reference to how enamored Belle was with modern day food when she first got when she was first liberated from the basement in Storybrooke. Yeah. Which, by the way, is a whole lot of continuity to have just in that one second in that tiny crystal ball. Actually, Rumpel's entire plot is way more clever than it has any right to be. We were watching this episode and I was so angry. And then when the thing happens, which we will talk about, you said, that's really clever. And I said, yes, the writing is very clever. And I'm still so mad at this episode that I'm even madder because it's so clever. But Rumpel is so shocked at seeing Belle in the crystal that he drops it and it shatters into a million tiny pieces. Meanwhile, back in the loft, everybody's clean up because you'll remember Cerberus attacked the loft last week to push the heroes into the encounter that the DM wanted them to be at. The apartment's a lot less wrecked than you would think considering a giant three-headed dog burst into it robin says you don't want to see what he did upstairs so giant three-headed poops i can only assume Ew, gross moving on so rumple comes in and he's like oh if you want to save hook from hades secret torture dungeon only dead people can go in there, but if we find a dead person, I can extend their aura to cover me and literally one other person. And Emma says, hey, last week you just wanted to sit in your shop and mope, and now you want to be in charge? And Rumble's like, yeah, y'all are fucking up, now I want to be in charge. And they all kind of roll with that. Yeah, fair. Now, Emma asks him where he's going to find a dead person who's willing to extend their aura and bring them into the underworld. Literally anyone. You've already helped three people out of the underworld. You could just be like, hey, we'll help you out if you let us borrow your aura. Also, I know that Rumpel pointed out at the beginning of this season that hell here, by the way, this is the first episode where they refer to it as what I will continue to refer to it as Underbrook. <laughs> anyway, Underbrook is filled with people that have been killed by Rumpel and Regina, but I'm sure there are a few people who liked them who just died. Yeah. I mean, not Rumpel and Regina, but Emma. Emma was liked. Theoretically, some of these people should feel some loyalty to Snow, I guess. They should look for uh, Johanna. There you go. We know she's dead and she would pretty much do anything for Snow. You know, maybe maybe Johanna uh, isn't in Underbrook. Oh, maybe she actually moved on. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Anyway, we cut from Emma asking Rumpel who he knows that would be willing to help them out, to the flashback. Where Rumpel's ex-wife? Yeah, he, ex-wife. He, re- he refers to her as his ex-wife later. They were separated before he killed her. So yeah, ex-wife. A late wife. I'm infuriated. I'm infuriated that this story, which is about an abusive husband who kills his wife... When she leaves him, which in actuality, in the real world, is the most dangerous time for a woman, is played as though he has some sort of side in this. As some sort of both sides, or even worse, like we're supposed to sympathize with him because she left him. I am so angry and like my chest is clenching up this is like genuine fury not like oh it's fun how bad this episode is anyway let's talk about it 
So, Rumpel's later late but currently current wife, Mila, is picking up sticks in the past. He was supposed to help her, but instead he was chasing dragonflies with Baby Bay. Okay, so, so you know, she's gathering firewood. I assume that's what's happening is that's firewood. Mm-hmm. And he says, oh, I was going to do that. And she says, well, I asked you to and you didn't, so now I'm doing it. I've had that roommate before. And then he acts like the problem is that she's being down on him because he has uh, a disability, because he has a limp. No, she asked you to do something and you didn't do it. This has nothing to do with your leg. She asked him to do it and he didn't do it. Like, So while the two of them are arguing over this, Bay almost immediately gets uh, bit by a snake with a purple stripe on it. So we can tell it's poison. Yeah, it's got like, a, it, it almost has kind of a hood. It's like the practical puppet doesn't have a hood, but they CGI'd one onto it when it bites. Mm. So it's got like a purple hood. Mila decapitates the snake, but it's too late. Mila it- decapitates the snake because she gets stuff done. I I mean, I know it's too late. He's already bitten Bay, but she does not back down. She's not afraid. She's just instantly like, oh, that's easy. Behead the snake. Honestly, if Rumpel hadn't been there to be all passive aggressive about the fact that she was doing stuff that she had asked him to do and he hadn't done... She wouldn't have been distracted. She would have beheaded the snake before it bit Bay. This is all on Rumple. You're playing a lot of what ifs there. I have no problem with that. I mean, if Rumple had gathered the firewood, they probably wouldn't have been in the woods. That's oh. where I would have gone with that. Oh, right. Another thing Rumple could have done to avert this tragedy. So we cut to Mila in Underbrook, where she is a school crossing guard helping the surprisingly large number of children in the underworld cross the street. Rumpel is standing on the other side of the street next to a coffin store. Wait, I didn't notice that it was a coffin store. Oh my gosh. Okay, I don't think it's a coffin store. I think it's a funeral home, but... Why would there be a funeral home in hell? Why would there be a coffin store? Also, there's no such thing as a coffin store. You buy coffins at a funeral home. Or at Walmart. I suppose that's handy. I I was reading this thing about how funeral homes are this giant scam that prey on grief. They totally are. Which, that's pretty fucked up, but why would there be a funeral home in hell? Well, you have a lot of grieving people who haven't moved on, so actually I guess it kind of makes sense. Who's buying the coffins? The economy of hell doesn't make any sense. And we've seen what happens to people when they die in hell. They just kind of dissolve. Yeah, so it's not like you need a coffin. Yeah. Maybe that's your punishment in the afterlife if you ran a coffin. If you ran a... uh... Your punishment if you ran a funeral home that took advantage of people is that you have to run a funeral home forever with no clients. I buy that. Yeah. So... Mila's like, oh, it's you. And Rumpel's like, yeah, and you're going to help me out. And she's like, why would I help you out? We parted on very bad terms. Yeah, she doesn't mention that he killed her, but, you know, he killed her. Also, he decides to taunt her. He's like, oh, it's ironic that now you're protecting children, even though you abandoned ours. You killed her! But she did abandon Bay. You're a lot harder on her for abandoning Bay than I am. It was a shitty move. She knew that kids got sent to die against ogres when they turned 14. How was she going to stop that from happening? By taking Bay with her. Okay, yes, she absolutely should have taken Bay with her. She should have come back at literally any point. Also, 
she left Bay with her with his dad for like five minutes, and he got bit by a poisonous snake. Okay, but that's because he was fighting with her. I will say the only thing you can count on Rumple for is to take care of Bay. Or at least that's what you would think if you had known him as a mortal man. Obviously, he fucked that up, too, when he threw Bay into the portal and didn't go after him himself. God, Rumple's terrible at everything. You're mm. right. Mila shouldn't have left Bay alone with him. See, that that's why I get on Mila during this, because Rumple comes at her pretty hard for the whole child abandonment thing. And, I mean... On one hand, I, I get it, like, Rumple would not have become the Dark One if Mila hadn't left Bay with him. And Mila, Mila acts like her biggest regret is leaving Bay behind, but unlike Rumple, she knew where he was for a really long period of time. She could have come back at literally any time to pick up her kid. Okay, I want to talk about that real fast, because we talked about the timeline of that, and I know you googled it. So, what is the timeline of her leaving and then her being killed? Because she, she took off with Hook, and Bay was, we're thinking, around 12, 10 or 12 at that point? I think that the, it's hard to tell because they changed child actors for Bay a lot, but he was a young kid when she left. Okay, but he wasn't that young because in this episode, he's, he looks to me, t- at least, to be at least 10. Oh, he's definitely younger than 10 in this episode. He's like in the 6-7 region. Oh, I'm really bad at judging the age of children. Okay. And she meets Hook here, so we know that she leaves shortly after this episode. Well, no, that was actually going to be my point. We don't know that. Do you think she had a long-term affair with Hook before leaving? Well, she doesn't leave with Hook at this time. Um, remember, because Hook says that he's in this port frequently. Mm. So, but this is fake medieval time pirates, right? So frequently, I assume, means like every six months. So... When you say she could have come back for Bay, I don't actually think she had a huge opportunity to come back for him because she was on a pirate ship. So she, so coming back for him would have been like a year later. And I don't think there was much longer than a year between her leaving and her being killed. And I actually think she was probably back in town to get Bay back. But Rumpel was already the dark one when she came to get Bay back. Right. He wasn't the dark one when she left and he was the dark one when she came back. But I think those things happened pretty close together i don't know bay was like we know bay was still a kid when she left bay was i'm gonna say around 10 when she left okay so even then she would have had multiple opportunities to come back and it seems weird that she would have waited until after he was 14 and thus would have been recruited into the ogre war yeah, I mean, I do agree she should have come back for Bay sooner. And it didn't seem like she was, because Rumple just happened upon Hook in a bar when he ended up killing Mila. It but didn't they seem were like... back in town. Honestly, and honestly, the way Mila and Hook are acting with each other when Rumple kills her, I think they're still in the honeymoon phase of their relationship, which means I think they couldn't have been together for more than nine months. I just think you're giving her a lot of credit, assuming that she was going to get Bay at some point. I'm just giving her a lot of leeway because she was in a shitty situation with Rumpel and she had to take care of herself. And I regret that that meant that she had to leave Bay behind, especially because, you know, it didn't. She could have taken him with her. We know that. Very easily. But I'm not... I'm not giving her as much guff for leaving Bay behind because I know she did what she had to do. 
I don't think it's as mortal a sin as you seem to think it is. There's also the fact that she didn't straight up leave Rumple. The way the situation was, she had Hook pretend to kidnap her. Yeah. Remember, that's how that went down. That is how that went down. So. And I. Well. You know what? I think she should have just straight up left Rumple. What was he going to do about it? And she should have took Bay. I mean, I guess she had just started dating Hook and you don't want your kid around for that, but... I mean, talk about me reading too much into things, but maybe she wanted to see if Rumpel would come fight for her. I don't get why she got together with Rumpel in the first place. It doesn't seem like she liked him at literally any point in their relationship. The best we got was her not actively wanting him to die in the Ogre War until he didn't, and then she was all pissed about that. Well, it was probably different when they were young. When they were young, his lack of aspiration probably didn't bother her as much. Before she had a kid, maybe she wanted less out of life, too. Hmm. And, you know... Do you think having a kid suddenly made her want adventure in the Great Wide somewhere? I think having a kid made her want a better life. One that Rumpel could easily have provided if he was willing to leave their hometown. This is a thing I get really hung up on. Why would they not just leave? Yeah, especially, I know we've talked about this so many times on the show, but Rumpel had a very valuable skill he could bring anywhere. Right. When you say, why don't people just leave, a lot of time you're, a lot of times you're talking from a position of privilege, but that's the thing. Rumpel had the skill and ability they could have left, and they didn't. Anyway, I... We're talking a lot about a character who does not matter after this episode. Mila matters to me. I... I because she's Rumpel's Graham. Yeah. It's weird how we went like 2 years without mentioning Graham for a while and now he's coming up a whole lot. It is weird how you keep bringing up Graham. He should be in the underworld. Yeah, he really should. Maybe he didn't have any unfinished business. That was a joke. He absolutely has unfinished business. He died before the first curse was broken. Man, can you imagine if he was just watching everything that goes down? He would be so pissed. Well, he was too busy shooting the Fifty Shades of Grey movies. So he was in hell in a way. Mm. So Rumpel is watching Mila as a crossing guard, which is what she does in hell. Okay, sure. And she's like, I have to keep an eye on these children. And Rumpel's like, yeah, they might get more dead. (laughs) Okay, honestly, as much as the stuff with Rumpel and Mila makes me so angry, it also produces some of the best scenes in this episode. It really does. There's such a great dynamic between these characters. Mila's all, why would I help you? And he's like, because you need to, you will want to save the man you love. And she's like, yeah, I don't super love you. You might have realized that from the way I left you for a pirate captain. He's like, it's the fucking pirate captain. And now Rumpel's like, now you have to decide Will you save the man you love if it means helping me? And she's like, yeah, because unlike you, I'm not a sociopath. So, deeper in the Underbrook, in the River of Lost Souls, this is the this is the River Styx, right? It is not the River Styx. Because it, okay, it's not the River Styx because it destroys you utterly. Okay, yeah, Hades says that if you touch the river, your mind will be destroyed and you'll be a husk of yourself. Which is what made me think the river sticks, but it just sort of kerplodes your soul. Okay, so the river sticks 
is the lake in Storybrooke because it's the river you cross to get into hell. Hmm. The river, I would think that the river of lost souls was the river Lethe that you drink from and makes you forget, except that that shows up in a different place later on this season. So this is just something else. So many rivers in hell. This is just the river of lost souls. If you touch it, your soul is sucked out of your body, which what is your body? You're already in hell. Moving on, your soul is sucked out of your body and, like, floats around in the river all lost and sad, and your body wanders around with no soul all husky. If if you've seen the Hercules movie, you'll recognize it. it. It's the river from the Hercules movie, the Green River with all of the ghost people floating in it. Except they didn't have enough money to uh, render full ghost people, so it's just kind of like those tissue ghosts you make on Halloween. It's like they were drawn directly on the film stock. Mm-hmm. So Hades tells Hook that he needs him to lose hope. He needs him to abandon hope, all ye who enter the under-underworld. So he decides the best way to make him lose hope is to hook him up to a James Bond villain contraption that will slowly lower him into the river so that he can watch everyone he loves fail to save him and then be dropped into the river. Now, he's on a weird metal grate with a pentagram in it, and then there's a hole in the middle of the pentagram, and Hook's going to be lowered through the hole into the river below. Yep. They spend a weird amount on sets this season. I mean, there's some cool-looking sets, but maybe maybe a little more money on writers. Uh, my big concern here is Hades' whole plan is for everyone to fail at saving Hook, but... It's like he doesn't know what show he's on. These are the Charmings. They will succeed no matter how foolproof your plan is. They are the fools that test your foolproof plan. Mm. Seriously, just dunk him right now. Right? You get the same exact thing. Have motivation, dude. So back up in Underbrook. We get the best scene in this episode, possibly the best scene in this season. We have Rumpel introducing Emma to Mila. And Rumpel is doing our job here. He He's all, hello, Emma. This is Mila. Mila was hooking up with Hook. Uh, you know, your current boyfriend. Mila, this is Emma. Emma got teen pregnant by Balefire and gave birth to a child. And Mila's like, so... My son got you pregnant, and now you're dating my ex-boyfriend. And Emma, Emma is just realizing how incestuous this show is. She's like, oh, huh. Jennifer Morrison does this great thing where her eyes kind of dart to one side. It's, it's a very little facial expression, but it does sort of encapsulate how incredibly messed up this situation is. I love this implication that Emma hadn't really thought about it before, hadn't really realized how screwed up it was. We cut from that incredible awkwardness to Regina entering Grant. Is it Granny's still? I mean, it's run by the blind witch, witchies. Let's call it Anya's. Anya's. Two Anya's. Even though Emma Caulfield does not appear in this episode as the blind witch. Sad face. Yeah. So instead of Emma Caulfield, Regina finds Corella not working there. She's just there in general. Sure. And she flags her down and says, I need you to tell me about the graveyard. I need some exposition. I need to find someone. And Corella's like, well, locator spells. Just use your fucking magic. And then 
She's like, oh, wait, magic's harder in hell. And Regina, Nice explanation, show. Yeah, and Regina's like, why? And Corella's all, shut up. Honestly, though, it makes sense that magic would be harder in hell because you're like in a magic field. It's like bringing electronics into a magnetic field. It just reminds me of the beginning of season two where the curse got broken around Storybrooke and Regina couldn't use magic for like half an episode and then she snorted that book and could use magic again. Look, when you have all powerful magical characters that can literally fix everything, you have to come up with ways to hamper their magic. It's It just seems odd that they keep doing that and then immediately walking it back. Because, spoiler alert, Regina will be able to use magic again by the end of this episode. Yeah, it's true. Honestly, when we get into our Farscape podcast, welcome to the Uncharted Territories. This is another thing you're going to notice. They keep making the ship more powerful and then having to walk it back. Mm. Because it would just fix everything if the ship was super powerful. Also, Emma had no issues teleporting last episode. Or two episodes ago, whenever she teleported. I don't think Emma's having the same magic problems in hell that Regina is. You think it's because Regina uses dark magic mostly? Yeah, I think it is. I know they might walk it back a little bit, but Regina knows she can use light magic, right? But her light magic isn't as strong as her dark magic. She's like a level one in light magic and a level 10 in dark magic. Mm. It's really sad then that that was enough for her to kick Selena's ass at the end of season three. It's, it's, Max, it's a mess. It's just a mess. In another part of Underbrook, Mila, Rumpel, and Emma are showing up to the gates of hell, which are inside of Emma's house, dark Emma's house. And Emma's like, wow, the gates of hell are in here. And Rumpel's like, yeah, and back, you know, topside, Excalibur was in here. It's weird how your boyfriend is drawn to real estate with magical portals in it. Hmm. So the way that Mila is spreading her dead essence to the other two is just by taking Rumple's hand and I guess daisy chaining it down the line. Yeah. Yeah, Mila takes Rumple's hand and Rumple takes Emma's hand and now magically they can walk through the barrier that only dead people can walk through. Emma uh, did demonstrate the barrier by kind of touching it a little bit. Right, like, yeah, she did the bounce off the invisible barrier thing. Also, I just want to point out that her crib with the Unicorn Mobile is in this house for no reason. So anyway, we are now venturing to the Under Underworld. It's a system of caves. Rumble actually refers to it as hell. And well, well so so Underbrook is really like purgatory. Yeah. But he, he tells them that they're one step closer to hell. And then the basement door does what the front door of the Hollowell Manor does at the end of every season of Charmed and closes by itself. Oh, it's funny that you brought up Charmed because I was thinking about how Hell is in Emma's basement the way the Hollow is in the Hollowell's basement. Yeah. So back in the flashback, Rumpel and Mila have gone to a healer to seek an antidote to snake poison. A healer played by Aaron Douglas from Battlestar Galactica. Hmm. Yeah, just, you know. For flavor. For flavor. We definitely get our share of Whedonverse actors in this show, so it's nice to bring in a Battlestar Galactica actor for flavor. So they show the healer the snake that bit Bay, which is apparently an Atlantean rat snake. Like Atlantean, like Atlantis? Like the Disney animated Atlantis movie? I, I guess that's what... Okay, so there's this weird thing with Atlantis 
in Disney canon, where Atlantis is its own separate thing from the Atlantis movies. It's completely separated from the underwater city we see in The Little Mermaid. Right. Which is Atlantica. Oh, is that Atlantean snake from Atlantica? Or is it from Atlantis? Because they're both Disney properties. Well, Aaron Douglas, as the healer, has, like, face markings that made me think they were trying to... Yeah, do the thing from uh, Atlantis. Right. Then they That maybe he was supposed to be Atlantean. Wow, he's a lot whiter than they are in the movie. I mean... Once upon a time. I just think it's interesting that I'm assuming the Atlantica stuff comes from later after they established Atlantis as its own separate thing in the Disney universe. I guess that depends on how interconnected you think the Disney movies are, if they all take place in the same universe or not. We know that we, well, Tangled we, and Frozen take place in the same universe. We know that Tangled, Frozen, and Little Tarzan. Mermaid all take place in the same universe. And we know that Little Mermaid and Hercules take place in the same universe. All right, yeah. Okay, and allegedly Tarzan also takes place in that universe. Wait, where did you get that? You know, the director had that thing about how Elsa's, Elsa and Anna's parents were Tarzan's parents who ship... Oh, right, I forgot about that, right. They're, they... Right. They gave birth to Tarzan, and then their ship crashed, and then Tarzan washed up on the... Yeah. Well, I mean, the parents washed up. and Right. The parents... Yeah, the parents washed up on the shore and gave birth to Tarzan, and then... Were killed by Sabu? I... The... Whatever the name of the leopard was. Yeah, so, okay. Which would explain Tarzan's magical gift to uh, talk to animals. Yeah! Because Elsa has the ice magic, Anna has super strength, Tarzan can talk to animals. That tracks. Yeah. So, complaints retracted. <laughs> Wait, which ones? Just just Tarzan's magical power complaint? The important thing is that this snake will kill you within 24 hours. In exactly 24 hours. Because that's how poisons work. Unless you're willing to use magic. And Rumple is like, oh, yes, we'll pay any price because we know magic comes with a price. So what's the price for this magic? A hundred gold pieces. And Rumple's like, oh, you meant a price of money. We don't have money. Yeah, we thought you were going to ask for something like the color of your hair or all of your memories before the age of three. Yeah. Anyway, they don't have any money, so they can't pay the healer. And as they leave, Miela's like, well, fuck it, let's just kill him and take it. Well, specifically, she's like, okay, what you need to do is you need to go back there and kill him, take the potion, and save our kid. And Rumpel's like, uh... I'm Team Mila here, just putting that out there. I'm sorry, if you... You had to pick up sticks yourself. If you want a job done, just do it yourself. Oh, okay, I'm Team Mila, other than the fact that she was relying on Rumpel to do something. Like... That was dumb. If you want it done, and he's not up to it, then just do it yourself. Don't be like... Go do this and then get mad at something he was very clear about not being able to do. All right. So. Also, murder is bad. Yeah, murder is bad. Their son is going to die. This... So it's just weird that she went for murder him rather than steal it or find or bargain with him. Like, Yeah, no, Mila is that kind of woman. Yes, she should have just bargained with him. She should have just refused to leave until she found something he was willing to take in exchange for the potion. 
Yeah, murder should not be the first place you go. I mean, it is, it does say something about her that that was her very first move. Like, her plan A is murder. But, healthcare should not be dependent upon your ability to pay for it. Mm. I feel very strongly about that. Healthcare is a human right, regardless of whether or not you can pay for it. Also, Mila's gonna fuck up everyone else who has to go to, to that healer for presumably lesser things. Well, also the fact that he says that Bay can only be cured with a magic potion that only he knows how to make is kind of suspect. Mm. I mean, spoiler alert, it does work, but mm, maybe maybe you should be spending your time getting a second opinion. Merlin's outright tree. Yeah, but Merlin's a tree at this point. There's a dark one kicking around out there. I mean, there are probably other places you could go. This village knows about the Blue Fairy. What's her ass up to? You think the Blue Fairy is going to be any help? Well, well she... You think the Blue Fairy is going to help Rumple, given his lineage? Oh, right. You know who Rumple should have gone to? His mother? Sort of. I was going to say his two witch moms. Oh, yeah, the witch moms who raised him. They're probably dead by now. Yeah, probably. Maybe. Huh. I don't know. I don't know how long witches live. She sh- he should have gone to uh, the witch from uh, Brave. How is turning into a bear going to fix poison? I, I'm just saying, I, fe- I feel like a large bear is more likely to survive being poisoned than a small boy. Oh, it's like that episode of Adventure Time where Jake gets poisoned and um, he's trying to figure out what to do about the poison. And finally, at one point, the assassin is like, ha, it would take a liver of a, it would take a hundred pound liver to process that poison. And he's like, oh, right. I have shape-shifting abilities. And he just makes his liver a hundred pounds. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, but with bears. Instead of shape-shifting dogs. Yes. Back in the underworld, Rumpel, Mila, and Emma are putting their mission on pause to have an incredibly awkward conversation about Balefire. Oh, I'm glad you said that. I don't think this conversation is awkward. I love this scene. Emma tells Mila that as she was coming down to Underbrook, she had a vision of Neil, and he told her that he has moved on, he's in the good place, he's happy, and she wants Mila to know that, you know, Mila can know that her son is happy and safe. And it's a really sweet moment between the two of them. And Rumpel is in the background all confused. Because he thought that these two women were going to get all catty with each other because they share a lover. And also because Emma slept with Mila's son. And instead, they just have this, like, female solidarity going on. And Rumpel has no idea what this is about. And he's getting very nervous. I mean, it is. This is a really good scene. The thing that rubs me the wrong way about this is that when Henry was looking for Neil when they first got to Underbrook, Emma didn't tell Henry this. Emma just told Henry, I know he's in a better place without finishing with, because I had a vision of him telling me not to go into hell and that he was in a better place. Yeah, I was thinking about that. It's weird that she didn't tell Henry. I just think that's a weird writing error almost. Like... The writer screwed up by not having a scene where they talk about it, except that they did. And she, I don't know what's happening. It's weird. I'm not going to blame this scene for the fact that the other scene was screwed up, though. No, no, this is a nice scene. And Rumpel does try to stir the pot by being like, uh, Mila, just a heads up. Hook's definitely not going to leave a blonde for a dead woman. And Mila's like, what? Like, no, shut up. I just want to help out the dude who was, you know 
who would actually go down on me once in a while. The dude who saved me from my terrible marriage. Okay, so this, we cut from a very emotional, touching scene to an effing great scene because we've got Corella DeVille back and I forgot how much I love Veronica Smurfett. Oh my god, we need more Corella DeVille. We just do, all the time. She's sitting down with Regina to talk to Regina about the exposition that she wants. And she brings up her fur coat. She says, don't you love this coat? It's doe skin. I'm not saying it's Bambi's iconic dead mother. But I'm not not saying that. And I love that. I love the phrase Bambi's iconic dead mother. So she's aware of the Disney movie then. But more than that, she's aware of Once Upon a Time. She's like, you want mashup, bitches? Check out this mashup. Cruella DeVille wearing Bambi's mom. This is where Regina coins the term Underbrook. She's like, I want to find a particular someone in Underbrook. And Cruella, still aware that she's on Once Upon a Time, is like, oh, you're so clever. That's such a clever phrase. Did you come up with that yourself? Which makes me think that it was something online that the writers saw and decided to just bring into the show. Oh, I absolutely believe that was on like a recap site. Okay, this bit's weird, though. Like, it feels like... Have you ever read a book that had a very specific system for the magic that they use or something along those lines? And it goes into graphic detail of one character explaining to another character exactly how this system of magic works. Oh, this actually felt like a video game intro to me. Or a video game intro. That where... It feels very much like you're just reading. It's an exposition dump. It is an exposition dump, but more than that, it feels like someone laying out the rules to, like you said, a game. It feels very artificial because it turns out that the way your headstone is indicates whether you're in Underbrook, in Heaven, or in the other place. If the gravestone is just a normal gravestone then you're in Underbrook. If it's tilted, then you're in heaven. Not not tilted, but like tipped over. Tipped over. And if it's broken, then you're in hell. Which is weird, because that means that they're going to tip over without breaking. Also, so can you not fuck with gravestones? that Are they magically protected from some kid with a motorbike knocking a whole bunch of them over and sending people to heaven? Yes, that is what that means. Back in... The Lake of Lost Souls. Rumpel has got the... I guess he borrowed Sharon's boat. I don't think this is Karen's only boat. It is a boat. It does take them across the River of Lost Souls. And Rumpel does point out, hey, once we grab the pirate, we can take this boat straight out of here. There's a sign above Hades' chill pad, which you can only see part of, but it does have the abandoned hope ye who enter here. We actually, when we were establishing Hook getting tortured, it showed the whole thing, I noticed. Yeah. So, Mila is staying behind with Rumple to make sure that he doesn't do anything untoward as Emma goes into the dungeon to save Hook. And Rumple's all, so, what? how exactly are you going to stop me from doing anything untoward? I'm the dark one and you're some lady. I mean, he doesn't say that, but it's the truth. And we flash back from that to Mila and Rumple in a bar, having just spent the last of their money to purchase a dagger so that Rumpel can go kill Aaron Douglas. And it's like, 
you're right. Why doesn't she just take care of things herself? And he's like, I don't think I can kill someone. Like, look, I don't have it in me to kill someone. He hobbled himself to not have to go to war. Why isn't Mila just doing this herself? I know. I mean, I suppose at some point when you've been raised in a society where you're supposed to depend on your husband to do things like that, you start to depend on your husband to do things like that, despite his many, many, many inadequacies. So Rumpel's not big on stabbing the guy to get the potion to save their dying son. They're, for some reason, having this conversation in a bar. Also, I'm like, this happens all the time when TV shows have this kind of artificial time limit, but I'm like, y'all are wasting time! Get moving! He has 24 hours exactly! So Rumpel's not sure he can kill the guy, but then Mila kisses him and he's like, okay, now that you've got my blood flowing, I guess I can kill the guy. And he, That's gross. Yeah, and he, you know, wanders off with the knife to go stab the guy. I... Yeah, to stab him. Stab him and steal the potion. Now- Why isn't just stealing the potion not the thing? Yeah, stealing the potion should be plan A. Mila has the bloodlust. I mean, I guess he would know who stole the not dying from that particular snake bite potion. That's tomorrow, Mila, and Rumpel's problem. Anyway, Rumpel's gone for like a second before some guy spills his beer on Mila and starts sexually harassing her. And she is saved from the sexual harassment by Hook. Who just comes up and cold cocks the guy. I guess he's just Killian at this point. Yeah. Oh yeah, good point, good point. He's like, you know, I could take you away from this. Now that I've got rid of the guy who is aggressively sexually harassing you, I'm going to passively sexually harass you. Okay. We hate Hook now, but past Killian here is super charming. He knocks the guy out and then sits down and is like, hi, you're super attractive and I'm into it. Let's run away together. And Mila's like, I can't. I'm married. I have a husband. And Hook's like, Killian. Technically, she's like, I have a child. Also a husband. And Killian's like, well, if that changes, I'll be back and you can find me here. I'm in port quite often, should that ever change. My point is he's totally cool about it. He doesn't pressure her at all. He just comes in, saves her, is sexy, and then leaves without harassing her about it. I mean, how do you not fall for that? He's literally wearing leather pants. How do you not fall for that? He's wearing a red open neck shirt and leather pants. I want to point out the woman behind the bar is like seven feet tall and it's not remarked upon by anyone. I want her story. She's getting my MVP extra. Yeah. There's an incredibly tall woman behind the bar wearing this like weird fur collar thing. With like a leather harness. Is she an Amazon? Why is she running this bar? She's a retired Amazon living her dream of running a bar in retirement. Yeah, MVP extra. I'm with you. So Emma super easily rescues Hook from his dangling fate of dangliness. Yeah, I don't know what Hades was thinking here. I mean, Hades' point was for Hook to watch Emma die trying to rescue him. But yeah, she super easily saves him. Oh no, she had to walk across a uh, balance beam. Yeah, you know what the savior can do? She can frickin' balance. You know what else she can do, which I know. Teleport? Yeah. Yeah. She had no problem doing it in the underworld. She nearly falls once, but shocker, she makes it over the balance beam and presses the save hook button. Yeah. Yeah. She saves hook. I mean, it, it, it was, it's, it's embarrassingly easy. Hades should be embarrassed. 
but Hook's like, you shouldn't have come here to save me. And, and Max and I are like, yes, you should not have gone down there to save him. Accurate. And I was like, when do I ever do what anyone expects of me? Which, what? Okay, what? I'm a quirky girl like that. Yeah, except for that part where you're constantly fulfilling prophecies and shit. Yeah, fulfilling prophecies is literally doing what people expect of you, isn't it? Yeah, and she does it a lot. I was re- I got reminded that there was a prophecy in during the Snow Queen season that ended up coming true, and there was the prophecy that started off this show. There's a lot of prophecies in this show. Yeah. Huh. So back at the entrance to hell, Rumple is being mean to Mila for no reason. Mila is like, "Oh, you got married again, that poor girl," and Rumple's like, "Hey, I hope your unfinished business isn't fucking the pirate because he's got Emma now." And. She's like, no, my unfinished business was Balefire. And he's like, well, really screwed the pooch on that one because he is dead. Honestly, shouldn't she have ascended to heaven at this point because she knows Balefire is happy and safe? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. The minute Emma told her that, she should have whooped up to heaven. Yeah. In fact, at the time, I thought she was like forcing herself to stay so that she could help them finish this mission. But yeah, what's, 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 whatever. Rumple does ask her, why didn't you ever come back? And she's like, I was selfish. I needed to work on myself first. I needed to change before I could be the person Belfire needed. She wasn't doing that. No. She was being a pirate queen. Yeah, I'm sorry. This all reads like total bullshit here. I, and that's why, in all fairness, that is why she's in hell. She feels bad about abandoning Belfire with uh, Rumple and... If she got the chance to tell him that she was sorry, then it would have been cool. Well, she wanted she wanted him to forgive her. And Rumpel's like, well, I did way worse stuff than you did, and he forgave me, so... Which is true. Both of those things are true. So she should have ascended right then. <laughs> uh, but she doesn't. But she's looking forward to ascending relatively soon so that she can be with Bay in the heaven afterlife. That's gonna it's suck for really a bit. It's really sad. Isn't it? Like, she's so close to ascending and being with Bay, and what's going to happen to her? Happens to her. Yeah. It's terrible. Mila is really screwed over by this show. She's, like, the most screwed over woman in the show since Belle. Boy, what do those two have in common again? I didn't even... I, th- that wasn't even on purpose. My, my big thing is, okay, so Heaven is just going to be constant awkward encounters for Neil... Look, it's your mom who abandoned you and was stuck in hell for abandoning you. I think part of being in heaven is that you have perfect understanding of things. So once he sees his mother, he's going to completely empathize with her. She's going to completely empathize with him. They're going to hug. It's all going to be good. It's great to see you, mom. I know you abandoned me, but now I have celestial understanding about how much getting pounded by Hook was more important to you than I was. (laughs) Moving on. Yes, moving on. So back in the past, Rumpel has broken into the healer's hut, and he- The healer's asleep. Just, just be good at what you do for like three seconds and take the potion and go. But no, he's got to freaking wake the healer up by being all noisy. Which again is, well, he's noisy because he can't move very well. Okay, he clinks the bottles together. That has nothing to do with his limp. Eh, eh, eh. Mila should be the one doing this. Yeah, anyway, the healer wakes up and Rumple goes to stab him and then he realizes he can't. 
And Aaron Douglas is like, that's because you're a good man. You're not a murderer. And the two of them chill out over tea. You know, that no one got stabbed tea. Yeah. I think no one got stabbed tea is kombucha. Hmm. Yeah, I can see that. A little vinegary. Kombucha is what you drink when no one gets stabbed. So the healer's like, so you're really into this son of yours, son? Rumble's like, yeah, yeah, he's a he's a cool kid. And the healer's like, well, if you had talked to me for like 15 goddamn seconds, we could have come up with an alternate deal. So, And know. Rumble's like, I don't usually make deals. Except you do. That's how you found out you were going to die. You gave the blind psychic girl water in exchange for information about how the battle would go. Oh, you're right. Honestly, this show is trying to act like Rumple was a completely different person before he was the Dark One, but we know from other flashbacks that that's not the case. This show wants to contrast how different Rumple the Man is from Rumple the Dark One, and that's a pretty major retcon for this show. Yeah. So, back by the Lake of Lost Souls, it's kind of interesting that they that Mila and Rumple have taken a ceasefire from sniping at each other to point out how sad the lost souls in the river look. According to Mila, anyway. I think they just look like not very good effects, but sure, according sure. to her, they look sad, and Rumple agrees. And then Hades shows up, and Hades freezes Mila, hmm. and tells Rumple that he wants to make a deal. <gasps> yes. Elsewhere in Underbrook, Snow White and Regina are in the graveyard looking for Daniel's gravestone. We see a few of the gravestones are knocked over. Yeah. So people people send to heaven. And one of the knocked over gravestones is Daniel's. Aw, that's nice. Daniel he, Colton. Uh, I get it because he worked with horses. Yep. Colton. Uh, yep. I guess Regina Mills doesn't have any. Yeah. Mary, Mary Margaret Blanchard. This show is not subtle in its naming conventions. But yes, Daniel successfully made it all the way up to heaven. Good for him. Yep. I mean, why wouldn't he? I, I guess, what would his in- unfinished business be outside of marrying Regina? Well, I mean, he declared his love for her. They were together. Like, that's that's it. That's, they're done. I mean, I think the only thing holding him back might have been that Regina Frankensteined him that one time. Well, I don't think his soul came back when she did that. Uh, that's why was... he freaked out and tried to kill her. Yeah, exactly. But yes, his soul is successfully up in Mount Olympus, White Lighter land. I think there are different heavens for different people. So he's just in vague Germanic heaven. Yeah, he probably went to the same heaven Regina's dad went to. Yes. That's going to be an awkward conversation. Oh, oh. The first five people you meet in heaven. (laughs) So in Hades' office, Hades is having a conversation with Rumpel. And he's trying to be intimidating, so he's like shooting pool while he talks to him. And he has a really stupid pool table where all of the balls are red. Oh, that's so sinister. Yeah. Anyway, Rumble's also sitting in a big wingback chair drinking brandy so that they can be all... A sifter of brandy. He's, he's doing the swirling. It's yeah. very gentleman's clubby. Yeah. Anyway, Hades says, I want you up topside because you kill a bunch of people. And I want everyone else to stay here because they keep you from killing people. So let's do that. It's interesting he compares him to Regina. He says... Well, Regina sent her fair share down my way, but you, you make her look like a child. Also, he says you've been doing it a lot longer, and also now she's a good guy, so... The thing is, I think Regina would probably have a higher body count than Rumple. Rumple is an artisanal murderer. Damn it, that was the phrase I was going to use. 
Yes, Rumpel is an artisanal murderer. His all of his murders are crafted by hand. They, they take time. They're built out of the finest materials. Regina is more of a murder factory. <laughs> that is an accurate statement. But the factory is closed, so. Hades isn't looking on a good return on his investment with Regina anymore. He's like, you you kill the big bad basically every season. So I just need you to keep on supplying me with those big bad souls. Yeah, he does. But if Rumpel t- torches the boat, then he'll send Rumpel back to uh, be with Mrs. Dark One. Now I want to point out he says you'll be with Mrs. Dark One by 10 p.m. Hmm. Yeah, just hmm. I just want to put a pin in that. Anyway, Rumpel says, well, you could also scuttle the boat. And Hades is like, that isn't as much fun. I need you to do it. That's how I roll. I'm Hades. It's what I do. And Rumpel's all, well, my my ex-wife saw the two of us talking, so she's just going to tell Emma and everyone will know what happened. And Hades is like, I'm pretty sure I remember that you know how to deal with your ex-wife. Oh, accurate. Also, what do you care if everyone knows if you're not going to be in hell anymore? Right? Whatever. Back in the flashback, Mila is with Bay, and Rumpel shows up with the potion because he finally did one goddamn thing right. Mm. And they give it to Bay so that he can be better and not be dying from the snake anymore. And Mila's like, you did it. Good for you. Now we have to go get rid of the body. And he's like, no, 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 we don't have to get rid of the body. He says that instead he made a deal with the healer. He traded his second-born son for the potion. And Mila's like, what? Yeah, she's not super happy about this. And we had a bit of a disagreement when we were watching this. You and I did. Yes. Because, not to be on Rumpel's side, but the terms of the deal were thus. Either your current kid dies and then you can just try to make a replacement kid... Or you stop having kids and you save your current living son. And I'm saying the second born child deal always has unintended consequences. And those consequences are going to fall disproportionately on Mila. And Rumpel has made this deal without her agreement. Mila can have as many kids as she wants. They just wouldn't be with Rumpel. Yeah. Mila does the right thing at this point when she finds out he made this deal and leaves him so that the unintended consequences do not fall on her. Mm, she I brought Bay with her then. Yes, she should have brought Bay with her. But we're going to see by the end of this episode how terrible those unintended consequences are going to be. I also have a thing where she's mad at him for making this decision without her. Then you should have come too. Or you should have been the one to go. You can't be mad when someone makes a major life decision if you put them in that position. You should have been the one to go, then the choice would have been yours. I mean, I feel like your argument here is she should have known Rumpel was going to fuck it up. Yeah. He couldn't even pick up goddamn sticks at the beginning of the episode. I mean, she should have known Rumpel was going to fuck it up, but that doesn't mean I can't be mad at Rumpel for fucking it up. See, I wouldn't even qualify it as fucking it up. I oh, mean, he definitely fucked it up. What What was his other solution? He could have just killed him. He could have made any other deal. He could have just not rattled the bottles when he was stealing them so that he could steal them without Aaron Douglas waking up. I'm not on Mila's side here. I'm sorry. Team Mila. I, Team I, Mila 100% over here. I think he made the correct decision in this case. Let's move on. Hmm. Let's, let's, see what, let's see what comes of Rumpel's decision. I and mean, it's not going to be good. 
but Rumpel's decision at the end of the day are you ready to get behind that that's a solid point <laughs> so Mila is super fucking pissed at Rumpel because she's like okay so you decided the rest of my life because since I'm a woman in this sort of society basically the only thing I'm allowed to do is have kids and you took that away from me so thanks that's that's fucking awesome I'm gonna go to the bar and boat a pirate yes I feel like this leads directly into her leaving with Hook, though. You're right. There's a strong implication that that's the very next thing that happens. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure about the timeline. What is time? So Rumpel shows up at the gates of hell, unfreezes Mila, destroys the boat, and then force pushes her into the river of lost souls. Fuck Rumpel. He already killed her once and then he like double kills her? Why didn't he just leave her frozen? I mean, you could really easily have done this without pushing her into the river of lost souls. But yes, Mila has been destroyed forever. You know what else he could have done? He could have come out, unfrozen her, told her that he had defeated Hades, talked to her about how she has accomplished her goals, let her ascend to heaven, and then destroyed the boat. Yeah. Or hell, he could have come out, then just destroyed the boat without doing it visibly he could have destroyed the boat with blue flames and be like oh no hades is destroying our route of escape i'm he's like oh no look what hades did as soon as emma and hook run out and emma and hook immediately fall for it hook line and sinker i really thought for a second that hook was going to be like wait mila was here and now she's not i'm pretty sure you double killed her but no he's like oh hades he's not like i'm getting some deja vu here if anyone understood what just happened, it should have been Hook. By the way, I'm pretty sure no one else actually knows that Rumpel killed Mila. Oh, you mean like up and about? Like Emma doesn't know it. I don't. I don't think Emma knows it. I don't think. I don't think Belle even really knows it. Yeah, more people should know that about Rumpel. I mean, if Hook really wanted to get revenge, he should just walk around telling everybody that Rumpel killed Mila. Although, I mean. People in this town are forgiving of the wrong things too easily, so never mind. Yeah. So, out in Underbrook, Regina and Mary... I'm sorry, Regina and Snow White, as she's insisting on going on for a few episodes before they forget that's a thing, and she goes back to being Mary Margaret. Yes, they come across a horse lying on the ground, hurt... This horse looks kind of deranged. I don't know if that's just the way horses look in general. Or... I think maybe you have to drug a horse to get it to lie on the ground like that when it's a when it's an acting horse. Mm, an acting horse. <laughs> I don't know what to call it. But Regina's like, wait a second. After seeing that Daniel went to heaven, I'm no longer emotionally conflicted and thus can now use magic in the underworld and heals the horse with pointing. Yeah, she magically heals the horse. Well, remember, her dark magic is stronger, and we know that dark magic is really good for healing. Mm. Is that the horse whose heart she ripped out when she was first trying to cast the dark curse? I don't know. That would be interesting. I love how Mary Margaret's like, what's a horse doing in hell? There are cars in hell. Why would there not be a horse? Is Mary Margaret one of those Christians who doesn't think animals have souls? Yes. Mm. Or, I guess, polytheist, because... Yeah, she's a polytheist who doesn't believe that animals have souls. Considering all the weird shit Zeus turned into to impregnate things, I mean, doesn't right? everything have a soul? 
Anyway, Regina's very happy that her magic is back, and she pops a fireball, and Mary Margaret's like, wait, what? And Regina's like, just checking, because she's amazing. Yeah. It would have been pretty funny if she had torched the horse after. I thought she was going to torch Mary Margaret. No, I thought she was going to go full Emma Frost there. So the Storybrooke crew has gathered in Emma's... I guess it's not Dark Emma's house. I guess it's just Emma's house now. Right. I only said Dark Emma's house because to differentiate because she was living in the loft before she was Dark Emma. But yeah, the Emma's house. They've all gathered around to uh, celebrate the return of Hook and mourn the loss of Mila and the boat. Yep. And... Because those two things, same level. Boat and Mila. I guess the boat was their ticket out of there. None of them knew Mila. None of them even met her, other than Hook. True. Yeah, true. Anyway, speaking of Hook, he's like, Hey, Rumple, I hear that I sacrificed myself to get rid of darkness, and then you went and fucking undid all of that? And he's like, yeah, but then I saved your ass from super hell. And Hook's like, hmm. And by the way, you sacrificed yourself to save everyone from shit you caused, so it's not like you have the moral high ground here, Hook. Anyway, Hook's like, since you saved me, I guess we'll call it even for now. And Rumple, you know, rolls his eyes as hard as he possibly can. So now Emma's going to give half of her heart and therefore half of her life force, I guess, to Hook. Sure, why not? I mean, she used the uh, precedent of Snow and David sharing one heart. Except that was a different situation because they were both alive at the time. Yeah, that doesn't... That doesn't mm, it's not the same thing at all. Yeah, so... It, it really isn't the same thing at all, but she's going to split her heart to share with Hook so that he can be alive again. Although, now that I think about it, in the Frankenstein episodes, the reason that they couldn't raise the dead is because they didn't have hearts powerful enough. Mm-hmm. So, I guess if Emma's heart is powerful enough, it can raise Hook and keep him alive. I don't know. It doesn't matter because it doesn't work. Yes. Regina goes to pull out Emma's heart. But she gets deflected by some sort of, I thought it was light magic, but I guess it's not. Well, it's it's really just physics, essentially, but it, it does have like a white light magic burst. Now they're like, what's going on here? And, and for a second I was like, you remember back in season two when you first found out you had light magic was because Korra was physically unable to remove your heart because of the light magic. Yeah, they don't remember that. They don't remember that, but... That's literally the first place I went. I was like, oh, because Emma's the savior. Light magic protects her heart, so they can't take it out. But nope, then that turns out. That's not out, what's happening. Yeah, that turns out that's not what's happening. Although it should still be a thing, but. <laughs> eh, don't worry about it. Yeah, it turns out that that thing Hades did where he had the three blank gravestones because they rescued three people from heaven. He got tired of waiting for Hook to fill them in with names, so he just filled them in himself. So now Mary Margaret, Emma, and Regina are stuck in hell yep with the rest of us for a whole half more season Uh, and i was like what does this mean and regina's like it means that this season's not over yet Uh... and rumple points out so i did my job in like a day and y'all fucked this up not on me Rumple out, suckers. Yep, he takes off. And then we go to the final flashback. Where Rumple, as the Dark One, is revisiting the healer who has aged 
fairly well, considering we know this is around the era where... Uh, this is when Rumpel is training Korra. Yeah. So yeah, this is way, way in the future. So the healer must also be some sort of magical person. Although not enough of a magical person to stop the Dark One from ripping out his heart and crushing it so he can't fulfill the terms of the contract. Well, the Dark One is the most powerful magical person, so it's that's fine. It tracks. This is back when he thought he was going to have a baby with Korra. Remember, he changed his baby contract with Korra so that it would be about their baby. And he's like, well, I can't have that if someone else wants my baby, if someone else has prior claim to this baby, so I have to kill you. He thinks he can nullify the contract by killing Aaron Douglas, so he kills Aaron Douglas. Uh, spoiler alert, y'all. That's not how contracts work. Mm. I mean, he, that would be a breach of contract thing, right? If you tried to get out of your contract by killing the person you made it with. Yeah, absolutely. Also, Rumpel's like, I love a loophole. It's not a loophole, you asshole. Back in the underworld, Hades is sitting on a shoe shining station, reading a book. Which, sure. Okay. And he's like, so, did you like the evil, naughty things you did? And Rumpel's like, does it matter? Just send me back up. And Hades is like, ah, I said I would send you back up, but I didn't say when, which- Yes, you did! You said you would send him back before 10 o'clock tonight. He didn't say tonight. There are a lot of 10 o'clocks. All right, okay. Although a good loophole for this would be time doesn't move here in hell. That would also be a good loophole. All right, okay. Several loopholes. This is an actual loophole. This isn't like killing someone. I'm okay. But yes, he's like, I will send you home when it suits my purposes. So he also says that Rumpel tried to hide something from him, which is not accurate. Rumpel didn't tell him every evil thing he had ever done. It's not even a lie by omission. It, like... Yeah, but Hades reveals what Rumpel hadn't told him in order to reveal it to us. When Rumpel was looking in the crystal ball and saw Belle... He wasn't looking for Belle. He was looking for Bay. He wanted to find his son in the underworld. Emma should have just told everyone this beforehand. I know. Like, Emma should have told everyone in the group about Bay right after having the heaven vision, but whatever. Then none of this would have happened. Anyway, he looked in the crystal ball and he said, show me my son, and it showed him Belle. Because Belle is swollen with child. Yep, Belle is in the family way. And he's like, oh. Which, this is actually a really good... Yeah, no, this is the part where you were like, look, this is clever. And I was like, yes, the show is being very clever. I have to give that to it. But God damn it, I still hate this episode. So Hades has had the uh, healer transfer the contract over to him. So now Hades has the copyright on Rumpel's kid. He has the rights to Rumpel's kid, yeah. Is Hades Disney here? Huh. I mean, it's not a copyright. He 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 just literally has the rights to Rumpel's kid. He's acquiring the intellectual property. It's not intellectual. It's physical. He has the physical right to Rumpel's kid. Uh, we'll get into whether it's physical or intellectual once we get into. Yeah. So Rumpel is now working for Hades because Hades has the rights to his future child with Belle. Dun dun dun. <gasps> This is what I'm saying. When you go into contracts like that, there are always unintended consequences. Mila was right to be pissed at Rumple. See, Rumple should have, as the Dark One, just had him transfer it to something else. He should know that death is not the end of things. And You're in Once of... Upon a Time. Yeah. 
So there's something Hades needs Rumpel to do that only he can do. Haha, evil flame hair episode over. Yep. So this episode was both better and worse written. Yes, all of the moments in this episode were better than they have been in previous episodes. But overall, it made me so angry. Like, I told you, I'm, I'm not even, like, fun angry. Like, my my chest is clenched up and I'm just really upset. Hmm. All right, so, fashion corner. <laughs> now that your, your dander's all up. Uh, Hook looked great in his open red vest and leather pants in the flashback. I'm sorry, leather pants will never not look ridiculous to me. I like leather pants. Wait, do leather pants look ridiculous to you? Because when you look at leather pants, all you can think about is the episode of Friends when Ross wore leather pants. Yes, that is exactly the case. I just see David Schwimmer trying desperately to shove leather pants on. Or that, like, walking away at the end of the episode holding just a bundle of baby powder and lotion-covered leather pants. Yes, that is all I think of when I think of leather pants. But I kind of want to give the fashion award, as it were, to Underbrook Mila. I, okay, I wanted to talk about Underbrook Mila. She's wearing jeans, she's wearing a jean jacket. And jeans, which a lot of people smack talk, but I think is genuinely a really cool look. Well, I mean, she's not wearing a jean shirt. She's not wearing denim on denim. She's just wearing a jean jacket. And jean pants. Well, but that's, that's different than denim on denim. Yeah. But she looks good. I mean, it is a good look. You're right. Um, But Mila doesn't have any modern day memories. Mila is completely a creature of the Enchanted Forest. So isn't it weird that when she got to Underbrook, she was like, well, I guess I'll dress like this. I guess I'll dress like a 90s action mom. Right? That's odd. I don't know why it makes me think of Terminator, because I don't think Linda Hamilton ever dressed like that. But I see that and I'm like, no, that's what Sarah Connor would look like just out in the world raising her kid. Huh. This is the outfit you wear where it's comfortable, it offers you some protection, but also pretty good movement. Like, I feel like jeans and then a jeans jacket is a good thing to wear if you're a 90s action mom. Interesting. Since you said that, I kind of want to segue from that to what this show should be instead. All right. Because... I really think this show should have been Emma and Mila being awesome action moms together. I Yeah, I really wish we had had more of the two of them interacting this episode. I wish Mila had lived. And then she, there could have been a whole thing with her and Henry. Henry would have been calling her grandma immediately. You know that's how he is. See, my big takeaway was I like the setup of this episode. There are a few things, I know this segment is basically just us Monday morning quarterbacking, or I guess several years worth of Mondays away quarterbacking. Sure, sure. But I think the flashback stuff should have been more focused on Mila and less on Rumple. Yeah, if it had filled in more of what it was like for her to run away with Hook and to what it meant for her to leave Bay and having that conflict, that would have fleshed out her character a little more and since this was basically her swan song episode this was basically the last chance to get this sort of thing and she is a character you can mine for story stuff but yep i'm not gonna say the episode wasted her because we did get a fair amount of her in it but the episode wasted her in that it killed her when there's still so much more to do yeah and yet david and mary margaret walk around alive is there no justice in the world? No, there's not. 
But you know what there is in the world? What is that? Patreon. What? Yeah, we have Patreon. So this show is partially listener supported. If you would like to become one of those patrons, we would really love it. You can go to our website, www.ilovetelevisionzines.com and donate to our Patreon. We have some cool stuff on there. I occasionally read fairy tales to our patrons. Also, we put deleted tangents up there. And also, while you're over at the website, you can listen to old episodes. We would like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, and Ryan. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you can always rate and review us on iTunes. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, head over to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash ilovetelevisionzines. We can also be contacted at ilovetvzines on Twitter or at ilovetelevisionzines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to Storybrook. Black as night, faster than a shadow, comes the flare from a raging sun. An exhibition, ship position, yet no one knows from where he comes. 